Life Point, good to see you. We're going to be in Psalm 1. If you want to go ahead and turn there, and I'll share with you uh, a few things about who I am. And uh, some of you, I remember I was here last year, and uh, a lot has changed in this building. It looks really, really awesome. And um, I love the renovations. You are very blessed to have Kel Boer as your pastor here at LifePoint Delaware. He is a great, great guy. Uh, I'll share this maybe last year, but if you're new or maybe you just kind of slept since then, I'll kind of remind you. Uh, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. I promise you Elvis has left the building, all right? He's no longer there in Memphis, but uh, I grew up in Memphis and uh, moved here in 2008. Pastor Dean was one of the missionaries that my church in Memphis supported back in 2004 when LifePoint originally began. I preached in the old Delaware building, the original LifePoint, uh, and it was one of those buildings, if you were there, who all was here for the original Delaware building back in the day? All right, so you know what I'm talking about, that ceiling. If I got, Dean said, if you get too excited and jump, you're going to bust your head. You know what I mean? That ceiling was right there. Um, and so I moved here in 2008 to plant a church uh, over in Marysville called Living Hope. And LifePoint was a big part of me moving here. Uh, so uh, my church in Memphis, LifePoint, Dublin, all kind of connected and helped me plant a church in Marysville. That church, God bless that, we grew and then multiplied another campus out of that. And then I went to Florida for five years to be a part of a church with global planting. And you're like, who moves to Florida and then moves back to Ohio? I do, right? Because when God says do something, you do it. And so you shovel the snow in Jesus' name. And so I came back. And uh, so we live now uh, in Sunbury, just a hop, skip, and a jump. I, I usually preach all over the state uh, on Sundays. So when I get to get up and stay local, it's like a vacation. You know what I mean? So 20-minute drive this morning was fantastic. Um, but I serve as the state director of our network of churches here in Ohio. We have about 700 churches here in the Buckeye State. And uh, my job is to oversee and provide leadership to our entire state. And so that's what I do as the executive director. And I'm just grateful to God for what he's doing. Thankful for LifePoint. You're a, a leader and a model for the rest of our state of how you are giving and how you are networking and you're multiplying. And I just want to say thank you for your generosity, because without your generosity, we could not do what we do as we cooperate and partner together. Kel gets up, Dean gets up every Sunday at our LifePoint campuses and talks and gives you stories about where your giving is going. Well, that's our network, and that's what I do, and that's what I help oversee. I just want to share with you this past year, 32 new churches came into our state. That's a 40% increase over the previous year. And we thank the Lord for how that is working in our state. I want to share with you that baptisms are on the rise. People are coming to Christ. This past year in Ohio, 2,300 people took their next steps and were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's a 32% increase over the previous year. So uh, the number of new churches in our state are up. The number of people coming to Christ and being baptized and taking their next steps and going public are up as well. And so I'm grateful to God for that. God's the one who does it. Uh, we, don't, we don't do that. God does. Um, but without your generosity, that, those don't happen. The Apostle Paul had two words that he began almost every letter with on the right side of your Bible in the New Testament. You know what it was? He started with saying thank you. And that's what I want to start with today. Thank you. Without LifePoint Delaware, uh, the kingdom doesn't advance like it's doing uh, here in Ohio and around the world. So I just want to say thanks. 
I know we're in Psalm 1 this morning. I want to read the scriptures to you. Would you please stand as I read the holy, inerrant, infallible, inspired word this morning? Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. But not the wicked. They're like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Lord, help us in this moment. God, speak through your word to your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I know the kids are hanging out with us this morning, and all the parents are like, man, preach the word and keep it short and simple in Jesus' name, right? So I get that. I got a wife with three kids, and when I used to be a pastor, uh, and she was working in the nursery on all-in Sundays, she's like, unless God is truly moving, you better land that plane, right? So I get it. I get it. Um, but I just want to share with you some things. This hey, I've been there. You know what I mean? I, I get it. I have been there. Um, and so, you know, we're always learning, right? I remember um, I was uh, preaching in Tampa a couple weeks ago at my old church and uh, did a grad party. My son, who he was two years old when I moved here to plant our church, he's now 18, graduating high school, going to Cedarville University. And we did a grad beach party for him in Clearwater two weeks ago. And uh, I was just thinking there on the beach about how we're always learning, right? And kids are always learning. And all the kids are here this morning. It reminds me of the story about the dad who's kind of walking along the beach with his son. And his son's asking questions like, Daddy, where do, where's all this sand come from? And the dad says, Son, I don't know. He says, Dad, look at all that water out there. Where's all that water come from? He says, Son, I don't know. Dad, see that sun up there in the sky and the moon that comes at night? Where does, where does that come from? He says, Son, I don't know. And the boy asks his father, Dad, you don't mind me asking you all these questions, do you? And he turns to his son and said, Of course not, son. How else would you learn anything? Right? So we're always... We're always striving to learn, right, and pass on things. And really, Psalm 1 is kind of like a John Maxwell leadership book, right? Once you've read one, you've read all of them. There's 150 psalms, but Psalm 1 of the Psalter has been summarized as the, the kind of the cornerstone of the other 149. If you were to take the entire 150 psalms, the entire Psalter, and summarize them in one book, it would be Psalm 1. And here, you really have two paths. And I'm calling this message the pursuit of happiness. I don't know what you were doing on New Year's Eve. I was watching Ohio State try to kick a field goal and go to the national championship. I'm not bitter. So how do I pray for Pastor Jeremy? Pray for me that I would lay aside all bitterness that's in my heart. We really won that game, which should have been the title. Amen. Amen. I'll take that. I'll take that. You know what, as we were watching Ohio State play Georgia, people were on Google searching on New Year's Eve. You know one of the most topped search phrases, not just in North America, but in Africa and in Europe and in South Asia, was this phrase, how to find happiness, how to pursue and find happiness. 
People are searching and they're looking. Write down Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. It's not going to be on the screen, but I want you to know this verse, Ecclesiastes 3. It says, God has put eternity on the hearts of all mankind. You know what that means? Break it down. People are looking and they're searching for truth and for hope and for joy. You're not just a member of LifePoint. You're a missionary out of LifePoint. You don't work where you work and you don't live where you live and you don't have the playgroup moms you're a part of just by happenstance. Acts 17 says you live where you live and you work where you work and you play where you play by God's divine sovereign design. And some of you here this morning, you're trying to get out of your neighborhood. You're trying to leave your job. You're trying to move to a new school district. You want to get out. You're like, man, the grass, there was a sign in Marysville. I lived there for 10 years. It said where the grass is greener. I'm like, they need to change that, where the grass is more expensive. That's what they mean. It's crazy. But you know what? The grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener right where you water it. God's not called you to be successful. He's called you to be faithful. And when you're faithful for him, he'll make you successful for him. People are looking all around you for hope and for answers in 2023. And if you're here and you've trusted Jesus, you've got a story to tell and you've got a song to sing and you've got a message to share. People can argue philosophy and science and philanthropy and finances, but what they can't argue with is a changed life. Your testimony is your greatest weapon. And here... We understand that there's the, there's the pursuit of happiness. Just like there's two paths. People look at the right side of the Bible most of the time. Oh man, Jesus always talked about the wide road, right? Jesus always said there's a wide road that, that leads to destruction. And there are many that find that path. But there's a narrow path and there are few who find it. There's wheat and there's tares. There's wide and there's narrow. But that's not something new. See, the left side of your Bible talks about it first. When I was a pastor, people would say to me, do I really need to read the left side of my Bible, Pastor Jeremy? Uh, yeah. There's a lot of good stuff on the left side of your Bible. By the way, what's going to happen when you get to heaven and you meet these guys? You know, you're going to meet Habakkuk. You know that, right? And when you go to, you meet Habakkuk in heaven, he's going to say, hey, how'd you like my book? And if you haven't read it, it's going to be awkward in heaven for you. You know what I mean? Read all the Bible. Read both sides. Two paths. Number one, there's the path to prospering. There's the path to prospering. Look what it says in verse one. Oh, the joys of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers. There is a path here. There is a path of where you can prosper. Not, I don't mean the prosperity gospel. I don't mean prospering for your own self-interest. I mean you're pro prospering according to God's plan and God's design for your life. And there's three conditions on the path to prospering. Number one, those who seek the kingdom of God. Those who seek the kingdom of God. See, Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Blessed when you seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Do you know that as a Christ follower, you may not get everything that you want, but you will always get everything that you need if you seek it under the kingdom of God. Where has God ever broken a promise in your life? Where has God ever said he would do something where he didn't come through? 
People lie, but God does not. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And in 2023, if there's ever been a time that we need kingdom seekers, it is now. That means when we wake up, we're not seeking our own path and our own desires and our own plans. We're seeking what God wants for our lives. God, this is the job that you've given me. This is the home that you've provided. This is the family that I'm to steward that is in your trust. You're now seeking everything from his kingdom perspective. The path to prospering belongs to those who get up and they seek the kingdom of God every single day. Oh, the joys of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked. You may not go the path of those that you work with. You may not say the same things that they say. You may not laugh at the same things they laugh at. You may not watch the same things that they watch. Rob, because God has met you, he's picked you up and placed you on a different path. You're now seeking kingdom. You're not seeking your own kingdom, but God's kingdom. That's the path that the Lord will bless. You see, the reality is you can't seek two kingdoms at the same time. Jesus would say earlier in Matthew 6, He would say things like, you can't serve God and money. You can't serve me and this world. You have to make a choice. And can I tell you, I wonder, is there anybody here this morning that would say, you know what, Jeremy, I used to be sinking my own kingdom. I used to be the captain of my own ship, but I met Jesus and he's changed my life. He met me where I was. He picked me up. He turned me around. He put me on a new path and I'm not perfect, but by the grace of God, I'm not who I used to be. And I'm walking with Jesus now every single day. That's the path to prospering. It's those who seek the kingdom of God. And number two, those who stand on the word of God. Look what it says in verse two. But they delight in the law of the Lord and they meditate on it day and night. See, I believe this book so much that if this book said that Jonah swallowed a well, I would believe it. It'd be a little awkward, but I'd believe it. Do you believe that God wrote this book? I mean, think about that. I mean, hundreds thousands of years over several different continents and yet one scarlet thread not one error every jot every tittle god breathed god designed those who stand on the word of god isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 says the grass withers and the flowers fade but the word of our god stands forever the path to prospering belongs to those who get up and they seek the kingdom of god every single day it belongs to those who stand on the word of god That means that you're not just living life based upon your own opinions or philosophies that this book is shaping you. You're memorizing it. You're reading it. You're studying it. You're obeying it. It's one thing to know the Bible. It's another thing to actually obey the Bible. It's not the truth you know that changes you. It's the truth you obey that changes your life. Those who stand on the word of God. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said many, many years ago. He said, there are times when solitude is better than society and silence is wiser than speech. We would be better Christians if we were more alone, waiting upon God and gathering through meditation on his word, spiritual strength for labor in his service. We ought to muse upon the things of God because we thus get the real nutrient out of them. Why is it that some Christians 
although they hear many messages and sermons, make slow advances in their divine life because they neglect their closets and do not thoughtfully meditate on God's Word. They love the wheat, but they do not grind it. They would have the corn, but they would not go forth into the fields to gather it. The fruit hangs upon the tree, but they will not pluck it. The water flows at their feet, but they will not stoop to drink it. From such folly deliver us, O God. Our devices, the constant scrolling. Do you see like Twitter yesterday? Like the Twitter world flipped out yesterday because Elon Musk limited how many views you could do every single day. People were so mad, like we want to scroll all day long. Why would you dare limit us? And everybody just like panicked. And that's news to you. Don't get on Twitter right now and search for it, all right? Pay attention for the next 20 minutes. We like love our devices and we love our stuff. How often do we actually just open this up and just put our phone down and read and study and get lost in the Word of God? Do we actually just kind of meditate on it and think through it for more than five minutes? Do we treat God and His Word like a drive through All right, five, ten minutes, good. And I know there's busy seasons and busy days in life, but are we truly stopping and parking the car and getting out and sitting down and just studying the Word and meditating on it day and night? And three, there's those whose seasons never lose the favor of God. Look what it says in verse 3. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. You ever met people when just the hand of God is upon their life? All right? You read the left side of your Bible, and there's guys like Joseph and Nehemiah, who God used in great ways. But what was the common theme? The hand of God was upon them. The favor of God was upon them. Listen, if you're a child of Jesus, you're a child of the King. And if his eye is on the sparrow, his eye is on you. And everything you do, seek the kingdom, stand on the word, and then hit the favor of God will be upon you and he'll watch you in everything you do. I can remember in 2017 when we first moved to Clearwater, Florida, and they were like, oh, Pastor Jeremy, don't worry about hurricanes here because we never get hit here in Tampa. It's been a hundred years. Six months, six months into the new job. And this hurricane comes called Irma. And I can remember being in church and this lady comes up to me. She's 92. She says, Pastor Jeremy, uh, I've lived through hurricanes my entire life. I've been in Florida all 92 years. I've lived through Charlie and all of them. I said, have you ever left Florida? She goes, no. I said, well, I guess you're staying for Irma. She said, no. She goes, have you seen that thing? It's bigger than Florida. I went home and told Jennifer, I said, pack the stuff. You know what I mean? Like, we're out of here. So we left, and we left at 3.30 in the morning. I told all three of my kids, listen, I love you, but if you want to leave, we're leaving at 3.30 a.m. in Jesus' name. So get in the van, and we're going to go. And at 3.30 in the morning, I packed up my family. We skirted through Florida, all the country back roads. We made it to Valdosta, Georgia at 10 o'clock in the morning. We had, kids had to go to the bathroom, right? So I hurried and I got out, threw them in the bathroom, got back in the van. And then this guy walks up to me and says, son, are you escaping the, uh, the hurricane? Are you a refugee? I'm like, I've never been called a refugee before, but I guess I am. He said, are you, he goes, he goes, I feel like God wants me to come up and just give you some money. 
And I said, okay, well, I'll take it. You know what I mean? And so he, he gave me, he gave me a, a lot of money. And there was a woman with her kids by herself at that same McDonald's in Valdosta, Georgia, escaping the hurricane. And I noticed her and her family, and she was rushing them. Seven hours later, we got to Macon, Georgia, just north, just outside of Atlanta. It was like a, the parking lot. I couldn't, I couldn't move my car. It was so packed. Seven hours later, Jennifer and I and our three kids, we go to this restaurant because we're starving. We're almost out of gas. We're not moving on the interstate, trying to escape the hurricane. And we walk in in a random restaurant seven hours north. And do you know who we saw in that restaurant? That woman with her kids. We're sitting there eating dinner. I tell Jennifer, we don't need this money. She does. I think God's doing something. We get up. I walk over to her. She's without a husband. She's got all those kids and she's by herself and she's scared to death. And I said, ma'am, I promise you I'm not a stalker. But I saw you in Valdosta. I said, were you in Valdosta this morning? She said, I was. I said, my wife and I, we saw you in Valdosta. And here we are seven hours north and I see you again. I said, God wants me to share something with you. And I was able to talk to her about the hope of Jesus and I took out all that wad of money and I put it in her hands. I said, some random man walked up to me and gave me this money. I said, but I think it's for you. And she broke down and she started weeping. Folks, when the hand of God is on your life and the favor of God's on your life, he watches every move you make. He's guiding you. He's walking with you every step of the way. You need to seek the hand of the Lord in all that you do. And when you seek his kingdom and you stand on his word, the season of favor on your life will never set. It's like a tree planted. The word imagery here in the original Hebrew is like a tree planted in the middle of a desert. But there's a stream that God allows to come. And it's a reminder that God sees and God knows and God is watching and his hand is upon you. And you are one of his children. And he sees that you will prosper in all that you do as you seek his kingdom. Every step along the way. There's a second path. There's the path to perishing. Not, not everybody chooses the first path. There's a second path. Verses 4 and 5 reveal this. Not the wicked. They're like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. So here's the comparison. Verses 1 through 3. Oh man, there's kingdom seekers. There's those who were standing on the word of God. They're memorizing it. They're studying it. They're meditating on it day and night. And the hand of God's upon them in all that they do. God sees. God knows. God's watching. He's following. He's walking with you. And all the tough moments and all the mountains and valleys. But then there's a second path. There's the path to perishing. That path is followed, number one, by those who don't care. Look at verse four. Not the wicked. They're like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. There are those who just don't care about the things of God. I can remember when I was a college student at Panama City Beach. Now listen, before you judge me, let me finish the story. All right. I'm down there on Beach Reach. There was a, well, I was with Campus Crusade for Christ, and we were witnessing and telling people about Jesus all up and down the beach. And it was about 1 o'clock in the morning. Now listen, 20, 20, 25 years ago, I was a wrestling fan, okay? Like I used to watch wrestling. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand in church, but I know there's some closet wrestling fans in the room today, all right? But I was a wrestling fan, and that, all the wrestlers were there, and it was a crazy scene in Panama City. A guy walks up to me on the beach. I began to share Christ with him. And I said, sir, can I ask you a question? If you were to die tonight, do you know where you'd go? 
He goes, I'd go straight to hell. I said, man, can I talk to you about how not to do that? About how Jesus came and can change your life and save you? And he said, no, man. He goes, I, he goes when I die, I can't wait to go to hell. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to party like a rock star when I get to hell. And I said, sir, can I just be honest with you? There's no partying in hell. It's not a place you want to go. I said, Jesus has come to change your life and can put you on a new path and take you to heaven. He said, man, I don't care about that stuff. He goes, I'm going to do what I want the rest of my life. I've never forgotten that night. And there are those who, they just simply don't care. Proverbs 14 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, that way leads to death. There are those who don't care. Two, there are those who doubt. There are those who doubt. They'll be condemned, verse 5, at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. There are those who, who doubt. Second Peter chapter 3 says, most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers are going to come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They're going to say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From the time of our ancestors, everything has remained the same the world has first, since the world has been first created. There are those who just don't care. Can I tell you, life point? Jesus is going to come again. Do you know that? He's coming again. We don't know the day or the hour, but Jesus is coming. We need to be ready for that moment by being ready at every moment. God's delays are not God's denials. The Bible says in Romans chapter 11 and in Revelation chapter 5 that when the last Gentile hears the gospel and comes to know Jesus, when the last martyr has been slain, then the end is going to come. It's right there in Romans and Revelation. God has not forgotten. God's delays are not God's denials. Don't ever forget that it's darkest just before the dawn and joy comes in the morning. People say, Pastor Jeremy, have you seen the political arena? Have you seen the wars? Have you watched the economy? Do you see what's happening in 2023? What's the world coming to, Pastor Jeremy? I'll tell you what it's coming to. It's coming to Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. There are those who don't care. There are those who doubt. And there are those who simply don't know. Look at verse 6. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. There are those who don't know. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Do you know the latest research that came out a few months ago that Christianity is spreading on five of our seven continents? But do you know the two continents that Christianity is decreasing and declining? Europe and North America. We are looking for pastors everywhere. We're trying to raise up the next generation. And thank God for you, LifePoint, and how you're raising up leaders here. But most of our churches aren't doing that. And we're trying to travel and traverse the state of Ohio and getting churches to put leadership pipelines, multiplication pipelines in their churches to start calling out and raising up the next generation of leaders to plant those churches, to lead our worship teams, and to take the gospel. Do you know that Ohio has 12 million people in it? And for every 10 people you see in Ohio, nine of them don't know Jesus as their Savior. 
They've never taken their next steps. That's why it's so critical and so important for us to raise up the next generation and raise up pastors to take the gospel. I want you to watch two videos real quick, back-to-back videos of churches right here in Ohio that are now putting pipelines in their churches and calling out the next generation and raising up pastors and leaders. And I want you to see the impact it's beginning now. At Grace Point, you know, one of the best tools that we use is called the Multiplication Pipeline. The Multiplication Pipeline is a tool for pastors to be able to train up other leaders because we need to raise up other leaders. That's part of our goal as pastors. Uh, The Multiplication Pipeline helps us be able to make sure we're all on the same page with our new leaders uh, in things like evangelism and discipleship and what is the church, basic theology things that all of our leaders need. One of those leaders is a guy named Chad. Uh, Chad, I'm so thankful for him. He gave his life to Christ over lunch one day two years ago. Uh, he's now leading a small group for us because we've been able to walk him through the pipeline process. We baptized him at Grace Point. He's now about to see his first person baptized uh, because of the pipeline and us teaching him how to share his faith. And so I want to encourage you, if you, if you don't have a tool where you're raising up leaders at your church, use the multiplication pipeline. It's a great tool for this pastor. At Briggs Road Baptist Church, one of our top priorities in ministry has been developing and raising up new leaders. We found this expands the ministry of our church as well as identifies those who are being underutilized and have gifts to offer. So one way we've done this is by implementing the Multiplication Pipeline, a free tool used to develop leaders in the church. Uh, We have about 20 people from our church involved in this from all ages and all life cycles of the church, from new members to more senior members who've been with us a while. We're seeing this impacting their walk with the Lord. We're seeing this impacting their existing ministries and launching new ministries. One example is our current worship leader who grew up in our church, who's been faithful to serve in our church, but has recently begun the multiplication pipeline and has emerged using his gifts to lead our worship at Briggs Road Baptist Church. It has so impacted his leadership that he has then expanded this to the worship team at Briggs Road. And we're watching them develop, grow in their understanding of the gospel and understanding of how to lead worship and to lead and serve in our local church. I have one young man leading a multiplication pipeline group and as he's going through it, leading others through it, I'm seeing him develop as a young pastor in training. His preaching skills, his leadership skills, his pastoral instincts are growing. So we're seeing multiplication pipeline have uh, several real tangible impacts in our church with promise of future fruit. If you're looking to raise up leaders in your church and expand the ministry of your church, Multiplication Pipeline is a tool that you should explore. I believe it would be used by God uh, to expand the ministry of your church. Because our churches are starting to catch the vision to multiply and to make disciples to take the gospel. Because there's people on a path, and we need people to share with them the truth of the gospel. And I'm happy to share with you over 10% of our state in less than a year has now mobilized and signed up to take the next steps to start pipelines in their churches, to call out the call, to raise up the next generation, to take the gospel across the street and around the world. 
Folks, there's a reality that you and I need to live with an urgency. See, Adrian Rogers said this. He, he said, we should live as if Jesus died yesterday, rose from the grave this morning, and is coming back this afternoon. That's the urgency that we ought to live our lives. And Psalm 1 says there's two paths. There's a path to prospering and there's a path to perishing. And wide is the road that leads to destruction and many people find it. We're missionaries, not just members of LifePoint, we're missionaries. And listen, most of us in this room, if we're honest, we would not deny with our lips that Jesus is returning. If I say Christ is returning, many of you say, yeah, I, I agree, Pastor Jeremy. But while we don't deny that with our lips, I wonder if we deny that with our lives. With the lack of urgency that we're living with. When's the last time you told somebody about the truth and the hope of Jesus? Right? We can talk about football like that. I can, start, I can talk about football anytime, day or night. My wife says you can talk about it in the middle of your sleep. You know what I mean? We can talk about football so easy. Why can't we talk about faith? Oh, man, let me, I love my family. I love my grandkids. Awesome. What about your faith? There's got to be urgency in what we do. I want to close with a story. Father's Day was a couple weeks ago. And uh, Father's Day really hasn't ever been... Uh, good for me personally. I grew up, uh, my dad left me when I was three years old. So I didn't grow up with a dad. Um, my dad left and, and rolled out. My grandparents kind of swooped in and rescued me and helped raise me in many ways. My grandfather was a truck driver for Kroger most of his life. He's now in heaven. My, my grandmother's 98 years old, still alive. And um, you know, it's interesting. My grandmother, she can barely read, she can barely hear, but she's on Facebook. You know, it's like, how does that, how does that work? You know, it's always an interesting day when you get a friend request from your grandmother. My, uh, my dad reached out to me back in 2010. I'd been here two years living in Marysville. And he said, um, hey, I've found you on the internet, I've been listening to your sermons. I hear you're in Ohio starting a new church. I'd love to, I'd love to see you. It had been over, it had been over two decades. I was mad, I was bitter. And I was like, man, I don't want to see him. And my wife was like, you know, if you can preach forgiveness, you gotta live it. Jesus did say, if you can't forgive others, how can I forgive you? Meet my dad. He goes, hey, I'm going to be in a city called Dublin. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, I'm there three times a week. We meet for dinner. Hadn't seen him in a long time. About as awkward as you could imagine. But he did buy dinner that night. And so when you're a church planner, you're broke. And so that was a blessing to me. And he came out the next night to my house. It was like a foot of snow in Marysville. It's in February. So he slips and slides from Dublin all the way out to Marysville. He sits in my living room and I said, Dad, do you want to meet your grandkids? And he said, I never thought you'd ask me that. And I said, me neither. So I'm sitting there in my kitchen, my five-year-old, my one-year-old, sitting in the living room playing the Nintendo Wii. Remember the Nintendo Wii? That was the thing back in the day. Still is in some people's homes, you know? And I was like, what is happening? in my life. 
And Jennifer said, the gospel's happening. The gospel's happening. He comes to church that Sunday. We're a church plant, setting up, tearing down. Every week we're meeting in a school there in Marysville. If you're an athlete, you know what it's like to play before a big game. You know, you know the nerves you get before the game and what you do. I was so nervous that day. And the Lord said, just preach the Bible. That day, my dad came to church and uh, got home. I said, Dad, how'd you like it? He said, man, it's cool. He goes, you got a good band, good coffee. I could wear jeans. I like your church. He lives in a different state. He comes back six months later at Christmas. I get up, I preach, nervous. After church, I said, Dad, what'd you think? And that day, my dad made peace with God. And that day, my dad made peace with me. And he got his life right with the Lord. And he was on one path, and praise God, he's now on a new path. He was on the path to perishing, but now he's on the path to prospering. God moved and showed up in a powerful way. And here's the reality. Every day, you're going to come across people who are on a path. I don't think I would have been able to reach my father had I stayed in Memphis, Tennessee, and had I not moved to Marysville, Ohio. God is doing something in your life that you may not be aware of. He's got to do a work in you before he can do a work through you. And everybody here this morning is on a path. I don't know which path you're on, but I know how you can leave. You may have walked in here on the path to destruction and a wide road, doing your own thing your own way. But you can leave today on the path to prospering God's way if you give Him your life and trust Him every single day. Amen? Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit of God, I don't know where everybody's at this morning, but you do. We're all on a path. Some in this room are on a path to prospering your way. We're kingdom seekers. We're seeking you. We're reading your word. We're striving to obey you. Remind us that there are others on a different path. They simply don't care or they, maybe they're doubting or maybe they just don't know. No one's ever shared with them the truth of the hope of the gospel. So Lord, I pray for everybody here this morning that we would take our next steps and trust you as our savior and put our life in your hands. We would be kingdom seekers, not our own kingdom, but yours. Lord, move as we sing in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name.